Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Maybe your guest with us. Uh, my name is Pastor Blake. I'm the lead pastor here, and we have the privilege of hearing from a phenomenal communicator today. Uh, my privilege is to introduce uh, a good friend of mine. His name is Pastor Troy Martin. Uh, I've known Pastor Troy for over 30 years, like my whole life. Come on over, man. Come on. And uh, I love Troy. Uh, Troy grew up in Illinois. Him and his wife, uh, Jessica, they met in college in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, man, we are going to be blessed today. And uh, they met in uh, Central Bible College. Troy was actually a phenomenal basketball player. Like, I mean, the guy could hoop. And uh, my father coached Troy, so that's kind of the family connection. And what's kind of crazy about it is uh, my dad always has these significant players through his career that he remembers. Troy, you're one of them, man. And just a, just a privilege to have him with us today. Um, he's uh, not only a great communicator, but he planted a church in San Diego, California, Venture Church. Uh, and I always say this, if you go to California, you better be called, right, Florida? <laughs> like, you better be called. And uh, as a guy who came from California, now I'm in Florida, uh, it's just radical what God's done in his life, him and his wife, Jessica, and their three children. And they're coming up on 10 years, Venture Church. And so, uh, Faith, do me one big favor. Let's give it up for Pastor Troy Mart today. He's going to bring you a great word. Leave here inspired. Thank you again, Pastor. Thanks, Pastor Blake. It is awesome to be with you guys here in North Fort Myers, Florida. Man, I'm pumped about this opportunity to share with you guys this morning. And um, as Pastor Blake mentioned, I am from San Diego. So it's North County, San Diego. The town is called Encinitas. And uh, we are over on the West Coast, or as we like to say, the West Coast is the best coast. Come on, somebody. Maybe you don't agree with that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, we planted a church in Encinitas 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because over the last few years, we've had a lot of people leave California. I don't know if you guys knew that that's happening. Um, some of us have to stay there, man. We feel called by God to that community. And as Pastor Blake mentioned, we're coming up on 10 years. And it started with our family. Our, our three kids are young adults now, but they were younger at the time. And we met in, a, in our apartment living room. That's how we started. I was coaching basketball at a high school in town. My wife was a school teacher. It started with our family. And here 10 years ago, this morning, this morning, we will have almost 1,100 people worshiping God in four gatherings, four services. This morning at Venture Church, God's done some awesome, awesome things. And we're pumped to be a part of it. And as Pastor Blake mentioned, my connection with him is, is all the way back to when I was in college. And I played basketball, Coach Hansen. I know he'll be here at some point today. But man, this, this man made an impact and influence in my life in, in just incredible ways. And, and I have a, a team picture here from 1993. This is our team picture. And uh, you could see, there, there I am in the back row, number 42. And look how cute Pastor Blake is. <laughs> Look how cute he is. I don't think I'm ever gonna, I don't think he's gonna forgive me for this. But actually I was, I was a little surprised that he invited me to come speak because we terrorized him. 
when he was little. We would throw basketballs at him and all kinds of stuff. So I don't know if he still has PTSD from that. But anyways, Pastor Blake, it's great to be here. What an amazing time of worship. Pastor Steph and the team leading us in worship today. Well, I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 10, and the title of the message here this morning is this, it's it's God's masterpiece. Everybody say masterpiece. God's masterpiece. And I love Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Um, He's writing this letter from prison, and he planted the church in Ephesus on his third missionary journey. So the apostle Paul, he would go out and he would plant churches all around Asia Minor. He ends up in the city of Ephesus. He plants this church. And, and, he, and he actually spends two and a half years in Ephesus. And you can read about it in Acts chapter 19. And let me just say, Acts chapter 19 is not boring. That's all I'm going to say. There's some amazing things that happened when Paul planted the church in Ephesus. He spent two and a half years there. Ephesus was a significant city, an important city in the ancient world. It was a center of trade and commerce. It was an affluent city. It was a a melting pot for Jews and Gentiles. So the church in Ephesus would have had Jewish believers, Jewish Christians, and Gentile Christians, and they were coming together. It was also a very spiritual city, but not spiritual in really a good way. Um, Ephesus was home to the uh, temple for the Greek goddess Artemis, uh, who was worshipped there. In fact, if you, you could go to Ephesus today, it's not called Ephesus anymore, but it's in modern-day Turkey. It's called Selkuk. It's a little town, and you can actually see uh, some of the remains of this temple to Artemis. But it was a very spiritually confused city, and that's this letter Uh, called Ephesians. So he writes this letter to the church. He can't go there anymore because he's in prison. And and overall, Ephesians is really a positive letter. It's it's just really powerful. And, you know, a lot of Paul's letters, it's almost like he's ticked off a little bit. Like he's, he's like, hey, I like you guys, but this, and he tells them what they're doing wrong. Ephesians is really positive. It's a lot of really good news. I may like good news today. Anybody like some good news? Ephesians is full of good news, and it's, and it's a lot of encouragement for the church. And how are they going to thrive in this affluent city, this melting pot, spiritually confused? There is persecution uh, for their faith. How are they going to thrive in this environment? And uh, I think it's something that we can apply to our lives today. So Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, and then we're going to go back to verse 1 and reference some verses along the way. It says this, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take this for, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that none of us could boast about it. See, God knew if we could earn our salvation, we'd be all bragging about it. How many of you guys would brag about it? You probably like, look what I did. Look how I saved myself. We can't brag about it. We can't boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So, so we're, we're saved for a purpose so that we could do the good things that he has planned for us to do long ago. We are God's masterpiece. You guys today, you are God's masterpiece. Maybe turn to somebody real quick and say, I didn't know I was going to be sitting by a masterpiece today. Just go ahead and do that. For, for all the introverts in the room, that just got really uncomfortable. <laughs> you are God's masterpiece. Now, 
let's go back to verse one. I'm just going to reference a few things along the way, and we're really going to go verse by verse and just kind of walk our way through this because Paul starts off in chapter two, verse one, really painting a picture of their spiritual condition without Christ, without, apart from Christ. What was their spiritual condition without Jesus? Look in verse one, it says, you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So, so you were dead in your sin. You were spiritually dead. You were separated from God because of the sin in your heart. Look in verse two, it says, you used to follow the ways of the world. Maybe some of you can remember back before you knew Christ and you, you, you would just follow the ways of the world and that was their spiritual condition. Verse two, you were disobedient to God. You really had hard hearts before Christ. We're spiritually dead. We'd follow the ways of the world. We were disobedient to God. Look at verse three. You're, you're controlled by your desires and your thoughts, you know, those sinful desires and those, those sinful thoughts. Before you came to Christ, you were controlled by that. I know some, from time to time, some of us, like, like we still battle with that. We still have this sinful nature that creeps its head up and we've got to like, you know, and, and we, we follow that at times. But before Christ, you followed your sinful desires. And verse three, you were deserving of wrath. You were deserving of God's judgment. Like, I, you know, I just described life without Christ. That's no fun. And I would say if you're here today, maybe you're, you haven't come to the place of surrendering your life to Jesus, like, like this is our condition without Christ. It's not just that, it's not that we're bad, it's just that we're dead. We're spiritually dead and we need new life that only comes from Jesus. That was our spiritual reality without Christ. And now we're this masterpiece. And, and maybe, maybe you're like, man, I don't really feel like a masterpiece. I don't really feel like that because I still struggle from time to time. I don't feel like a masterpiece. Sometimes the reality in our lives doesn't measure up to the picture of what we think it should be. Like we think, okay, God's created me to be this masterpiece and he's got these good works and man, that's the picture. I want that for my life, but the reality of my life doesn't measure up to that. Any parents in the house, you remember when your kids were growing up, I remember it from time to time, they'd have like this baking assignment at school and they'd have to, they'd have to like bake cupcakes or for like a themed party. And, and usually it's like the night before they tell you this, like at 10 o'clock at night and you're like scrambling, okay, what are we going to do? So, so in today's culture, you, you go on Pinterest and you'd find a picture of this perfectly baked, delicious cookie monster cupcakes, okay? Here's the picture. This is, this is the picture you have in your mind. This is the picture. Now here's the reality. Here's what it usually looks like. This is the reality right there. <laughs> like, like the struggle is real. How many of you guys can relate to that in the house? Just a little bit. Or, or, or maybe it's like this, this here's, here's a picture, this, this cake that's a cat. Now, now that's, that's a little creepy in and of itself. I'm just, I'm more of a dog person. Ain't dog people in the house, you're more of a dog person. But this, here's, the, here's the expectation, here's the expectation, the picture of what it should look like in your mind. And here's the reality sometimes, maybe it, it <laughs> oh my goodness. Some of you gonna have nightmares tonight looking, looking at that. Oh my goodness, sometimes our expectation, the reality doesn't meet up to our, to our expectation. And, and starting back in verse four, or ch chapter four, verse four, Paul starts to paint a picture of what, what does it look like to be this masterpiece in Christ, this workmanship in Christ. 
And, and let me just say this, it has, it has not as much to do about what you do as it, as it means about what he's already done for us, what he's accomplished for us. So here's our new spiritual reality in Christ. Okay, this is exciting. This is good news. I hope you're pumped about this. Look in verse four. God demonstrated his love for us. So while we were dead in our sins, he demonstrates his love and his mercy toward us. That is good news. God has made us alive in Christ and he's granted us a seat at the table, verses five and six. You can read it there. He's made us alive, not because of what we've done, but because of his tremendous love for us. And he says this, he says, hey, not only am I I'm gonna make you alive in Christ, but go ahead and sit at the table. Go ahead and have fellowship. You're, you're part of the family. Is that good news, anybody? You're part of the family. That's the reality, our spiritual reality through Christ. It goes on in verse seven. It tells us that he expressed his kindness to us. In verse seven, his kindness to us. You know, I love this verse from Romans chapter two, verse four, that says this, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. He's been so kind. He's been so good. And that's our present day reality in Christ. Verse eight, he saved us by his grace. It's through faith. He saved us by his grace. Verse 10, now we are God's masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. Again, in verse 10, he's prepared for us to do these good works. He's planned for us to do these good works. And let me ask you the question today, why is it important that we understand our new reality in Christ? Why is it important? Man, man we, were, we were lost, we were dead in our sin, we were without hope, but God stepped in and he gave us new life. He made us anew, he created us in Christ Jesus. Why is it important that we live with the understanding of our reality, our spiritual condition in Christ? Here's the big idea today, and then get this, grab a hold of this, jot this down. Understanding that you have been saved on purpose and for a purpose changes everything. You've been saved on purpose and for a purpose. And when you understand that, it changes everything. It changes the way that you approach life. When you see yourself the way that God sees you, it should radically change your approach to life. Friends, today, God has a purpose for your life. I heard Pastor Blake talk about part of the vision here is that, that you would make a difference. God has a purpose for you to make a difference right here in this church and here in this community and around the world. He's got a purpose for your life. And maybe you would say, you know what, Troy, not me. Troy, you don't know about my past, man. My past disqualifies me. You don't, you don't know the things that I've done. The, those things disqualify me. Maybe you say, well, Troy, you, man, I, I don't have anything really great to offer God. I don't have special abilities. I, don't, I can't do too much to offer God. Maybe you say, oh, Troy, I'm too young. When I get a little bit older, then I'll be used by God. Or, or maybe you feel like, man, I'm too old. Like, I, man, that ship has sailed and I don't have much to offer anymore. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to preach at the San Diego Rescue Mission graduation. And this is a, a rescue mission where homeless people are taken in and they go through this year-long program. It's a, a year-long commitment and, and their life is literally transformed so that they're ready to, to experience life and to, and to live in society. And, 
And, and the president, the founder, or the leader of the San Diego Rescue Mission stood up at that graduation. There's about 57 graduates who've gone through this program. They were, they were homeless, man. They were destitute. They were without hope. And now they've gone through this program. They're ready to launch into life. And Donnie D, the president of the San Diego Rescue Mission said this. He said, hey, if you're still breathing, then God's not done with you yet. If you're still breathing... You see, when we understand that we've been saved on purpose and for a purpose, it changes everything. Look back at verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good things. If you have a paper Bible, underline those two words, good things. We could do the good things that he's planned for us to do. Friends, I want to tell you, you're not an oops. You're not an accident. You have a God-ordained purpose that only you can fulfill. And it's important for us to understand that we, we, we don't earn our salvation by these works. We don't earn it, man. We're gifted salvation by our faith in Christ, by his grace. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Do you guys see the difference there today? We're saved for good works. Martin Luther said it this way. He said, the sin underneath all sins is to believe the lie that we cannot trust the love and the grace of Christ and we must take matters into our own hands. And don't try to take matters into your, you're, you're not earning your salvation. You're not working for God's approval, like, but you're working from a position of God's approval to worship and to honor God. So good works don't save us. But, but I want to caution us because I, I, I feel like in the church today, in the church of America, it's almost like we, we've overcorrected where we don't put an emphasis on good works. We're afraid like well, people are going to think, oh, I got to earn God's salvation. I got to earn God's approval. So we don't put the emphasis on the importance of God, good works. But we can see right from scripture, you're God's masterpiece. You were saved on purpose and for a purpose. So if you go to that word created, the Greek word is this word, it's poema. And uh, the Greek word, it literally means this, to, to make. And it carries the meaning of something that's been created or crafted with skill and intention. So like a craftsman. And if you look at that word poema, what is, maybe you, you're already putting it together, the, the, where we get the English word poem from. Like, like there's, there's, there's intent there's a craftsman that's skillfully made. There's, there's intentionality behind it. And you, you have been created by God. You have been created on purpose and for a purpose. You are his masterpiece. Real quickly, what does it mean to be God's masterpiece? I'm gonna just give three observations here. What does it mean? Number one is this, that you've been transformed into something brand new. You've been transformed into something brand new. And it's not just so that you could be a good little Christian. In fact, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's why he came. So it's not that you should be just a good little perfect Christian. No, he came to bring life. He came to, to make you brand new in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new creation. He's a poema. He's been skillfully created. Number two is this, what does it mean to be God's masterpiece? It means this, that you have intrinsic value and purpose. You have intrinsic value and purpose. And can I just say the reality of our culture today and what our young people are hearing is, 
is, man, you're kind of an accident. Like, there's not really a plan for your life. And you're just kind of, you just kind of appeared. And you, just by accident. And you don't have value. You don't have purpose. But God's word is very clear. He created us to be a masterpiece. He created us on purpose and for a purpose. And you have value. You have purpose. And friends, I want to tell you today, don't buy into the, 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 the lie of, of really the American dream that says, well, my value comes from what kind of car I drive or what kind of neighborhood I live in or where I go on vacation or what I accomplished in my work environment. That, that's not your value. Your value is because the image of God is stamped upon your life. He's created you in his image. Number three is this. You are a reflection of your creator you are a reflection of your creator, the imago Dei, the, the image of God that's stamped upon your life gives you value. You are a reflection of your creator. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. We imitate our heavenly father. You are a reflection of your creator. So during the Renaissance era, there was a there was an artist uh, named Michelangelo. Maybe, anybody ever heard of him? Anybody in the house? <laughs> kind of a, kind of, he's kind of a big deal. And he was commissioned to create a number of pieces of art, sculptures for Julius II. And, and actually today, if you, if, if you go to Florence, Italy, to this museum, you could see these on display. Here we have a picture of the hallway where these four pieces of art, these sculptures are, are located there in Florence. Italy. And I, I want to zoom on one a little bit closer. So if you take a look at this a little bit closer, at, you know, these, these sculptures are known as prisoners. They're Michelangelo's prisoners or, or captives. And, and you look at that and it looks undone. It's just like, hey, where'd you go, Michelangelo? Like, why, why didn't you finish this thing? You know, it's, it looks undone. And the story goes that for many years, people thought, well, he was called away and he, he wasn't able to finish the work. But years later, historians, they've actually discovered this. And we've learned through historians that he, he did this on purpose. He wanted to show the struggle of a prisoner finding freedom. He wanted to show the struggle of, of, a, of a prisoner, someone who was captive to, to walk into freedom. And friends, the reality is this, in, in, in the American church culture today, and I see it over and over again, I think there's a lot of Christians who struggle to walk in freedom. There's a lot of Christians, they, they struggle to live out God's purposes, and they're still being influenced by, by this world, and there's things that are holding them back, and they don't see themselves the way that God see the, sees them. So there's this struggle to really step into God's plan and, and God's purpose for our lives. There's a struggle that we have in living out God's purpose. And my intent today is to encourage you. Man, that you could step into God's plan. You could step into God's purpose for your life. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. It says this. Look at this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He's chosen you. He's called you. He's saved you on purpose and for a purpose. Why? To be holy. 
man, we're holy. And, you know, we get all messed up in that word holy. Like, like that can mean all kinds of different things. Well, if I'm going to be holy, I got to dress a certain way. And, you know, I got to have a dress down to my ankles or what, you know, whatever, you know, all kinds of stuff that we put on that word holy. But, but that word holy, here's what it really means. It means set apart. It just means set apart for a purpose. So God's chosen you. He's created you to be set apart for his plan and his purposes. Uh, let me illustrate it this way. If I were to, if I were to brought my toothbrush this morning and, and, and after service, I came down and said, hey, you want to use my toothbrush? You'd be like, okay, you need to go to a mental place. <laughs> like you would not appreciate that. Why? Because that toothbrush is holy unto my mouth, set apart for one specific purpose to brush this guy's teeth, not yours, all right? That's what the word holy means. We're set apart. We are holy unto God. We're set apart for his purposes. And guys, he's called you to be holy. He's called you to be set apart, to be used by him. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, going back to the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you, God knew you even before you were formed and created in the womb. God knew you before you were born. Look at this, I set you apart to be holy for a specific purpose. And maybe some of you today are saying, well, Troy, how do I know what God's purpose is for my life? You know, almost 30 years of pastoring, that's one of the top questions that I get from people. Like, Troy, how do I know what God's purpose is? How do I know what God's will is for my life? I wanna show you this diagram I'm gonna put up on the screen and, and I think this will help us kind of grasp this and understand this. And, and we, we have three parts here. There's, there's our talents and there's our passions and then there's the opportunity. And our talents are this, they're skills, right? They're, they're, they're giftings maybe from God, maybe the Holy Spirit. There's talk about spiritual gifts has gifted you in certain areas. It could be a natural talent that you have. That, that's your talent. Now your passion, this is something that you're willing to suffer for. It's something that you, your, your heart is invested in it. It's, it's like today, the, the musicians up here. How many of you guys just appreciate the band and the music? They just were phenomenal. But these musicians, let me just promise you this, that the drummer didn't show up today and say, hey, I think I want to try to play drums. Like, like I, have you ever played? No, I've never played. No, that drummer, it was a passion. He, he suffered for it. He worked on it hours and hours. It was a passion of his. It, he, he worked on it. So we talk about the passion of Christ, like his passion to suffer for, for all of us. So our talents and then our passion and then the opportunity. Like, like what is in your sphere of influence, the needs that are in your sphere of influence, because all of us have a sphere of influence. Now look what happens when, when you come together, when the talents and the, and the passion and the opportunity, when these things come together, that's the sweet spot of your purpose. Let me, let me illustrate, let me show you a few of these, and, and I'll just brag on some people from our church, Venture Church back in Encinitas, California. There's a lady named Meredith. She's pretty new to our church in the last few years. Started coming during COVID because her church wasn't meeting and started coming to our church. And, and, uh, but Meredith, her talent is this, that she's super administrative. She's super organized. And she just, that's her talent. And her passion is this, that she, she loves to serve others. And, and, and she loves to help people, especially people who are struggling, people who are hurting 
people who really need help. And then the opportunity came her way that every single Wednesday, we feed about 200 families. They drive through our church parking lot, they pop their trunk and we give them groceries. And there's the opportunity. And every Wednesday now, Meredith, this lady where her talents and her passion and the opportunity all perfectly came together. She leads this ministry with all these volunteers every single Wednesday. She stepped into her purpose. She's living out the purpose. She's been saved on, on purpose and for a purpose. Let me tell you about, about another guy. This, this, is, this guy's name is Ted. Now, Ted, here's, his talent is, is sports. He loves sports. He loves sports. In fact, he played college football. He loves being around sports. He loves coaching sports. And then his passion was this, to help boys grow as athletes. He was really passionate about helping boys become young men and teaching them what it means to be a, a young man. And then the opportunity cross, came, came into that, that he could coach in the Encinitas Little League. And he, and he started coaching, and then he became the commissioner of the Encinitas Little League. You see, it's where his talent and his passion and the opportunity came together. And this guy, Ted, man, he prays with the team. He talks about Jesus. He was in the local newspaper talking about Jesus, sharing the gospel. He's living out his purpose. Let me give you one more example, okay? Maybe wrap your mind around. There's a guy named Tom. And Tom, is, his, his, his talent is this, leadership. Man, he started his own business. It's thriving. He's, he's, he's a leader, man. He, he's driven. He's a leader. His passion is to help students, to help junior high students and high school students become all that they can be in Christ and to follow Jesus. And then the opportunity presented itself. Our youth pastor is like, man, we need some people. We need some leaders. And, and Tom raised his hand. He's a great leader. So every single Wednesday night now, Tom leads a Bible study with other adult volunteers. There's about 30 to 40 junior high students every Wednesday night that are learning about Jesus because Tom's talent and his passion and the opportunity cross paths. You see how that works, friends? You see, if you are still breathing, then God is not finished with you yet. And when I understand that I have been saved on purpose and I have been saved for a purpose, two things will happen. Number one is this. I will become everything that he has called me to become. And I will do all that he has called me to do. And guys, that's my prayer for you here this morning at Faith Assembly, that, that you would become everything that God has called you to become. You've been saved on purpose for a purpose. He, you are his masterpiece. He's got good things in store for you. He's got good works for you to do. You would become all that he's called you to become and you would do all that he's called you to do. Here's the second observation is this. When I understand that I've been saved on purpose and for a purpose, I will live out my purpose, which will point others to God's love. Let me say it this way. Good works don't save us but they help other people get saved. And you see, Jesus said something about that in Matthew chapter five, verse 16. And in fact, here's the words of Jesus. You may, you may know this verse. You may remember these words that he shared. He said this in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your incredible Bible knowledge. Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your perfect attendance on Sunday morning. Ah, uh, no, that's not, that's not what it says. What does it say? Let your light so shine before others that they may see your 
good deeds. And then here's what's gonna happen. They're gonna glorify your Father in heaven. You see, friends, you have been created on purpose and you've been created for a purpose. And when you step into that purpose, it's gonna point other people to Jesus. It's gonna point your neighbors, your family members, your coworkers, high school students, your, your, your classmates. It's gonna point other people to Jesus. People are gonna notice, oh my goodness, there's something different about that dude. Man, there's something different. They're gonna see your good deeds. It's gonna point other people to Jesus. And I wanna ask you this morning, I want to challenge you with this. Would you just ask God today? God, would you make me aware of the opportunities around me within my sphere of influence? Would you, would you make me aware? Would you help me to see those opportunities, the people around me, the opportunities to serve right here at faith or the opportunities to bless my neighbor or my classmates or my coworkers? God, would you open my eyes to see those opportunities around me so that I could step into my purpose and point other people to you. So we have a guy in our church, his name is Jason McKenzie. And uh, Jason did this. Jason's a really successful business guy. He's got a son who, who plays basketball. There's a theme up here. We're talking a lot about basketball, all right? But his son, he, he plays basketball and his son was playing for a club, an AAU basketball team. and. Jason would be at every game and he started to get to know the coach, the coach, a young guy, late 20s, like six foot 10, like a giant dude. His name's Jake. He started to get to know Jake and build a relationship with Jake. And it became pretty clear to Jason that, that Jake didn't have a relationship with God, that he wasn't following Jesus. And Jason and his wife, Melissa, and their family just befriended Jake. They just would serve Jake. They would help Jake. They would encourage him. They just were friends with him. They, they built a relationship with Jake. And then one, one day, Jason said, you know what? I, I feel like God's called me for a purpose in this relationship. So, so not in a weird way, but just in a very normal way. He, he just said, hey, coach, man, man, what are your thoughts about Jesus? Have you ever considered trusting Jesus with your life? He asked coach that. And coach at first was just like, leave me alone. I want to win a basketball game. <laughs> like, I just like, leave me alone. I'm, I'm about the game. And, and, and he didn't really think anything. He wasn't interested in knowing about Jesus. Well, some time went by and Jake started to go through some tough times. Coach Jake, and he, he, he had a bout with cancer. And one of his players actually had a bout with cancer and ended up passing away from cancer. And Coach Jake remembered what Jason had said to him. Coach Jake had remembered that conversation he had with Jason and, and there was something different about Jason. And he remembered Jason asking him about Jesus and what he thought about Jesus. So, so, so Coach Jake went to Jason one day and said, hey, you remember you talked to me about Jesus? He said, man, I'd like to find out more about Jesus. Can we have a conversation? Here's a picture of Jason McKenzie and his wife, Melissa, and their boys with Coach Jake. It's a picture of them. Well, Jason ended up meeting with Coach Jake, and Jake ended up giving his life to Jesus Christ, putting his hope in Christ. Here's this next picture. This is a picture about a month ago in the Pacific Ocean. Jake getting baptized as a new follower of Jesus. All because, listen, don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
all because a businessman named Jason McKenzie understood that he had been saved on purpose and for a purpose. And he stepped out to do something about it. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good things that he has planned for us to do long ago. Friends, when you understand that you have been saved on purpose and for a purpose, it changes everything. Can we stand to our feet all over the house here today? Just close your eyes just for a moment. I just believe that God's word demands a response from us. So if you close your eyes and and, and, and I'm asking you to do this, just to simply close your eyes and maybe put your hands out in front of you, just like, like this, right out in front of you, just as a way to say, God, I'm available. And right now, would you just say, God, I'm available. I surrender to you. Lord, I trust you with my life. Lord, help me to embrace this concept that I've been saved on purpose and for a purpose. Lord, help me to step into my purpose, what you, the, the reason that you've created me within my sphere of influence. You know, I think of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah chapter six and, and God was like, hey, who am I gonna send? Who's gonna go? And Isaiah said this, he said, here I am, Lord. Would you send me? Would you use me? And can that be our prayer right now? Just say, God, send me. God, use me. I wanna be used by you. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but God, I wanna be used by you. Thank you that you've saved me on purpose and for a purpose. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.